0: What you hear a lot of people do is they are explaining to understand it themselves. They are not explaining it in order to teach someone else.
1: Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to part four of our new three-part series. Yes, you heard that right. As you've been following along with Status Go, we've been doing a series called Compelling Communication. It was born from a recent conversation that we had with CIO Ryan Brubaker of Seven Corners when he stated, at the end of the day, as a CIO, I'm in sales. As you know, we've been interviewing several CIOs with Anita Nielsen as sales coach. Uh, And we thought it would be an outstanding idea to bring in our next guest to talk about this compelling communication because we've been talking a lot about what we need to do. We need to be like a salesperson. We need to be able to uh, tell our stories within our business As CIOs and IT leaders. But what we haven't touched on is how do we do that? So today's guest is Alex Perry. Alex has been on the show before, you may recall from, I think, uh, year one of the podcast Status Go. She is the CEO and founder of Practically Speaking and the author of Minivan Mogul, A Crash Course in Confidence for Women. Welcome
0: back to the show, Alex. Thank you, Jeff. It's good to be here.
1: I would love for you to spend a just a little bit here and share a little bit about your background and what it is that you do for professionals of all kinds of industries but i also know you do work with a few it folks as well, information technology folks as well
0: ooh good correct on the it we'll get to that later <laughs> so my background for those who don't know me i'm a speech language pathologist so I spent nearly, nearly 20 years working with people who either by accident or illness or injury lost their ability to speak or developed an impaired ability to speak. And so I'm really passionate about helping people now in the corporate world, learn to use this incredible tool that we have called communication uh, to enhance every aspect of their lives, both professionally and personally. So about four years ago, I launched into the public speaking presentation communication world with Practically Speaking, and I coach folks one-on-one. I have done group workshops and public speaking myself, and and that's what I do. My clients range from folks that want to be on a TEDx stage and do big types of talks to um, also folks who that's, that's not what they do. They just need to talk better at work. They need to communicate better at work because communication, like that's the one thing we can't get rid of at work. We're, we're, we just can't get rid of it. We have to talk with each other and communicate with each other. And so how do we do that more effectively? How do we do that more efficiently and really make everyone's lives easier through the uh, medium of communication?
1: And it doesn't really, I mean, it matters, but it doesn't really matter whether it's spoken communication or written communication. A lot of what you teach carries over. I know from experience, just as a disclaimer, Alex is my public speaking coach and uh, we worked together for, gosh, a year and a half, two years, something like yeah, that. long time. Uh, oh, longer than that. I forget, you know, pandemic, the pandemic mode is kind of compressed time. Uh, So it's probably three years since we first met now anyway. So our audience, as you know, Alex, are IT leaders, professionals that have to communicate within their organizations and they have to be able to communicate very complex topics to an audience who may not always understand all of the bits and bytes and acronyms that we speak in. So Where do you start with someone like that who knows they have to improve their communication, but doesn't know how, doesn't know where to begin?
0: Yeah. Well, where I start is by assessing their language. So listening to them speak, reading their writing, looking at their presentations. And I'm looking for three things. I'm looking for clarity. How clear is the information? Because I don't speak information technology. So right off the bat, I, c- I will know if someone is clear, if I can understand what they are saying or what they are writing. The second piece, that piece around concise, is is exactly that. Our, uh, I will look at emails. Are they sending emails that are four paragraphs in length that we know that no one is going to read? that perhaps maybe that they'll only get to the first bullet point. Are they an indirect type of speaker, which means they give all of the details first before getting to the main point. You can hear that in speech and you can hear that in, or you can see that in writing. So I'll look at that. And then command, I look at as, do they speak with authority? So is their tone, does it convey a sense of authority or do they sound insecure when they talk? And we can get into what that actually sounds like. And then um, do they use a lot of fillers or weak words or wishy-washy words things like probably, could be, might be, kind of, sort of probably is one I hear people say a lot. And those words, while not altogether bad, they do take away a sense of command. The The difference between using will and am. So oh, I yeah. I will do this or I am doing this. There's a big difference. Will indicates future, like it might happen. And I am means I'm doing it now.
1: That's interesting that, that it comes down a lot of times to the word choice. And, and I know our listeners couldn't uh, see the big grin on my face because as you were describing those uh, weak words or or filler words, however you want to describe it, it's like, oh, man, I am so guilty of that. Sometimes you're trying to soften your yes. message. And that really does water down what you're trying to say, doesn't it?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes we're watering it down either to make it softer for someone else or we're watering it down because we feel insecure about what we're saying and we don't want to be held. I see this a lot. I don't want to be held to this if I say it with such command, like it's a fact. And I see this a lot with my technical folks who are very right. It, it, you better prove it to me with fact. Because if if I can't prove it or what if people get in their minds that what if, what if I'm wrong? Yeah. It's very black. It's the black and white thinking that says, well, I can say this and then I can change it later. So Right.
1: Because I said probably. (laughs) Because I said probably. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Now, the example that you gave a minute ago, Will versus Mm Ant, that one's one that I was not familiar with. Mm -hmm could you give us some examples of when you might want to use will versus you need to use am?
0: So if something, if you are going to set a long-term goal, will might be appropriate. Uh, the difference is, is that it's that will leaves, will, leaves wiggle room for your brain. Our brain likes very definitive answers. So, I'm not a big fan of using will a lot. Like I'll, I will get this to your leader. Like I'm getting, I would much rather from a clear and concise standpoint, say I am, or, um, I'll have it to you by then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Instead of saying, I'll get it to you when I can. Right. I'll right. get back. I'll, I'll get back to you at my earliest convenience.
1: Yeah. I, w- I will call you on Friday versus I am going to call you on Friday. hmm Right. Something like that. Yeah.
0: And a little bit of it's hair splitting. So where I see, let me give you a clear example of the will versus am in a context that will help frame this out. So I was helping a client create a, a, a presentation. So he's got to get uh, with his executive leadership team and he needs to show that he's got this strategy in place. So he works with a, his senior leader, does not like to you know, if he senses lack of confidence, it makes him edgy. So this, the leader that I'm working with came to me with his presentation and it says, how we will retain clients, how we will retain clients. And I'm like, "Mm, it doesn't sound definitive enough. I said, take out the will. And he's like, what do you mean? Take out the will. I was like, take out the will. I said, now read it. And it says how we retain clients. And then he had three clear steps for how they would do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So instead of saying will, which leaves it to future, which leaves it to chance, it's, I mean, I didn't even put in an am because it doesn't make sense there grammatically, mm-hmm. but it for sure carries a different tone. This is how we do it versus how, this is how we might do it, which leaves room yeah. for debate. And our brain wants a definitive answer. And now I don't sound as confident. So
1: clear, concise, commanding. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about clear. Uh just to start there and, and dive a little deeper, you're talking to a, a very technical audience and um, we have to be able to communicate very complex things yep. to people who are very, very smart, but aren't in information technology. They're in other areas of the business. So how do we begin to know if our message is clear and how do we make our message more clear?
0: Mm, okay, so from a like hyper-tactical standpoint, when, we t- when I talk about clarity, I talk about doing three things, which are shorter sentences. Well, actually, let me say this a different way. So fewer words per sentence, fewer syllables per word, And ditch acronyms and jargon. Um, So I'll say it again. Fewer words per sentence, fewer syllables per word, and then um, ditch acronyms and jargon.
1: Those are three great tactical ways uh, to do it. I especially love the acronyms and jargon because I think every profession has has their jargon. They have their acronyms. We recently on the program had uh, a group of grad students from Ball State University and the school of CICS. Well, CICS to an IT person is a framework from the 60s and 70s that we used to use to uh, write code on top of and it would run our applications, right? And I'm not explaining it very well because it's been a long time since I've done that. So just that acronym means something totally different to whatever audience you're at, and it and it sounds so benign to say CICS right. or you know VPN or whatever the whatever it is IT. That's a great example. And uh, to uh, to an information technology professional, IT is IT. There isn't any other meaning. But I I know you did some research uh, one time, and I can't remember. Your quote exactly, but you looked up how many words or how many things IT stands for, uh, and it was a lot. Ninety-six. Uh, so 96. I, I knew, I knew that. So that <laughs> that, that, that that is a great example. Yeah. So another area, and again, I'll own it, is uh, when you talk about shorter sentences, fewer words, fewer syllables. As you've just heard me rambling, I talk in long sentences. How do you help someone when you meet them and you start coaching them? What things do you suggest to help them make their message more clear by using fewer words and fewer syllables?
0: So if I'm talking with someone and they've got to get up and give a presentation, they've got to talk about their content, more often than not, where we get lost in clarity and conciseness is in a lack of preparation. People ramble because they haven't thought through what they're going to say. So learning to take a pause, to take a beat, to take a minute, and you could kind of hear me doing this now, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. gives you the opportunity to think of what you want to say and how you're going to say it. When you think about things like using words with fewer syllables. It really is, I go back to an elementary school word game. If you are using big, long technical terms, what are the things, like how would you describe this? And I'm going to say this knowing you're, again, you touched on, we have an educated audience, but how would you describe this to a first grader? And people are afraid to do that because they don't want to make their audiences feel dumb. However... What we know about people in general is that you, as an IT expert, know 85% more about your subject than I do. You are actually doing me a favor by making it simple. Don't assume that your audience, just because they are educated, will understand what you're talking about. Assumption is the enemy here. Yeah. If you need to do a pre-poll, if you need to go talk to people before you go, go on stage, go find out what they do know instead of assuming that just because they all have PhDs that they're going to understand your content because they don't. There's, the world is just too varied and complex for that. When you make things simple for people, they're like, oh. I mean, think about it. When you watch a YouTube video on how to fix something, you want the person that walks you through step-by-step using very simple, basic language. Same thing when you have a leader talking about technical information. Step-by-step very basic language so I can understand. And then as the listener, as the participant, if I need to ratchet that up a notch, I can go to you and say that because now I actually don't feel like you're talking down to me because you're not you're not talking in such complex terms that you've now made yourself unapproachable.
1: I love um, the way you talk about silence is your friend, right? That Mm -hmm. pause can be can help you not only gather your thoughts, but it can also help your message be more impactful. If you give the audience, the listener, time to think. I, I think the other thing that enters into this is that as the digital natives, the digital generations, the the, the younger uh, people in our workforce come into the workforce, they've been uh, enmeshed in technology since the day they were born. That's what makes them a digital native. And we forget sometimes that they may know how to use the technology, but that doesn't mean they understand the technology. Mm. I was thinking about this during the Olympics when uh, there were commercials on uh, about cell phone plans and things like that, right? And internet connectivity. And it's like, okay, who really knows what that spokesperson just said? You know, they talked about 5G or they talked about one gig to the home. What is that? Right? Right it's fast that's what we know, know. right it's know. fast that's all the the layman understands about that yeah. and so we're not even really effectively communicating there so i want to i want to jump over to your next of your three c's which is concise how do you help your clients become more concise in their communication
0: well again it goes back to those three rules about shorter sentences fewer syllables, it's also a matter of practice. And this is gonna sound really boring because people want a quick fix, but you have to practice speaking in shorter sentences. You have to practice your content. Again, what you hear a lot of people do is they are explaining to understand it themselves. They are not explaining it in order to teach someone else. So if I am using lots of words and I'm talking around in circles and it's kind of like this and it's sort of like that and I'm throwing out random examples and well, and maybe, maybe you might do it this way. That means you don't have a full grasp on what's going on. Mm -hmm. You are talking around it to get to a point. So you have to be able to say things over and over and over again. So one thing that does help is to write out your thoughts. Either in bullet point form, in paragraph form, whatever it is that you have to do to get to the point where you can look at what you're going to say and pull out the most important pieces and practice just those pieces. That's what's going to help you with being concise. Again, people want a quick fix for communication, and I'm not your quick fix girl. Like (laughs) it takes time and it takes practice. Mm -hmm. So, for example, you know, if you've got a big presentation, you might be going through that big presentation. It might go through five, six, seven iterations until you have that content crystallized to a point that it is clear, it's concise, it's commanding, and people can actually understand it. Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes you're learning the content as you go as well.
1: I think the other pitfall that uh, technology leaders fall into a lot of times as well is when they're presenting to uh, the C-suite, the the executive team, an idea. And what they're really trying to do is get a decision. So they're trying to influence a decision. They're lobbying for a project, whatever that might be. And they've been immersed in this discovery mode for this project, sometimes weeks, months, Mm -hmm. uh, could even be longer. And what they want to do is they want to take the executives on the journey with them. Right. And the executive is like, "Uh, you lost me in the first two minutes.
0: Right. Exactly.
1: How do you, how do you help them flip that script a little bit?
0: Exactly that you flip the script. So some, and this goes back to your sales coaching piece or that we, you know, we're supposed Mm -hmm. to take people on a journey. Well, actually, most of the time we don't have time to take people on a journey. So my very practical tactical tip is start with what you want or what you need. If you are asking for a decision, your presentation actually starts with here's the decision I'm asking you for. Now I'm going to explain to you why I want this decision. Mm -hmm. So here's the amount of money I need. Here's the piece of technology that I need. Here are the staff and resources that I need. Then I'm going to walk you through it, but I'm going to walk you through it. Here's the other piece, right? So start with a clear objective. So the people sitting at the table know what you want, give them enough information, and then let them ask questions along the way. Because again, you went to that journey. You already have answered a bunch of questions, but they haven't. So I coach people a lot on leaving space. Less content, more space for conversation. And really, a presentation at its finest is a structured conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a TED talk. It's not a I'm getting up here showing all of my fancy wingdings and pictures and oh god, we spend <laughs> we waste so much time and energy on that type of thing where if we spent the time and energy On our word choices, on our what is it that I actually need? Have I structured this right? What kinds of questions are they going to ask me? If we spent our time there, we would be much more effective in our meetings and presentations. Yeah,
1: yeah. When when you talk about commanding, Mm -hmm. that really comes down in some ways to a topic that I know is near and dear to your heart, uh, which is presence. Yeah. Right? Isn't commanding part of that presence, yes. how do you coach people to improve, change their presence?
0: Mm. So I'm going to go really practical, tactical here and talk mm-hmm. about the, what I consider to be the style elements of presence, because they're so easy to implement and you don't necessarily have to feel them to display them. So if you want to be commanding, like first and foremost, sit up straight, or stand up straight, make direct eye contact. This is hard for people and it's super tricky in Zoom and we can get into that if you want to. (laughs) Where do my eyeballs go? Oh, that's right, that's right. So standing up straight, making eye contact, smiling, when appropriate, I'm gonna put that pause in there because not everybody's a smiler, and then smiling isn't always appropriate, but mm-hmm. it does it does matter in terms of approachability. Do people feel like they can come talk to me or ask me questions? Do I look like someone someone else would talk to? The tone of your voice really matters. So lower tones command more authority. And watching how you speak, like we've talked about this before, up talking, which is very prevalent and not just prevalent in youth. I see it in men as old as 65, which is where you end a statement like it's a question. Mm-hmm. I like your shirt. Yeah. Right? It's that everything sounds like a question. And if you sound like that, you are sending a nonverbal signal that I don't feel confident in what I say. When I make a statement, my voice drops down on the final word. I sound definitive. Even if I don't feel definitive, I sound it.
1: Yeah.
0: Instead of I sound it, I feel (laughs) definitive. And you can even hear the change in my tone. A lot of times when we start to feel uncomfortable, we'll get a higher pitch if we are amped up and nervous. So practicing what you're going to say out loud actually helps that. So the practical tactical piece of that is do not just practice in your head. You want to sound commanding. You need to hear your own voice, which makes people super uncomfortable, but it's what gets you there. It was what gets you comfortable.
1: For the... IT leader that has presentations all the time, um, whether they're formal, hey, I'm doing a PowerPoint up in front of the board, or whether I'm running a staff meeting, whatever it is, do you also suggest that perhaps they record themselves and watch it? Is that it? something that can be done with great great technology today. You can
0: record yourself on a zoom call and rewatch it. Right. Absolutely. Of course you want to do that because how else do you know? So the only other measures you have are your own subjective, which is going to be tainted and biased generally toward the negative. I suck so bad. (laughs) that's generally where most people go or, yeah. or other people's perceptions, which are going to be colored by their own lens. So if you record yourself, you get to do all kinds of really cool things, which first of all is figure out what you did well. So many times my clients are immediately start focusing on what did you get? Like, what did I do wrong and how do I fix it? And I'm like, well, wait, wait, wait a second. Let's focus on what you did right. Mm-hmm. And then talk about the one thing and I say one thing because we're trying to keep track of a lot of stuff. What's the one thing that we're going to do that's going to improve this? Did you ramble? Is that is that your big thing? Are you using a lot of filler words? Do we need to work on that? Is it that you struggle to look at the camera? Mm hmm. Pick one thing and work on that. Get better at that one thing and then do something else. So many people get frustrated with working on their communication skills because they feel like they have to do it all at once. And that's just not the way it works either.
1: Yeah,
0: That's not the way it works. But yes, record, record, record. And I'm just going to say this now because everybody says, I don't like the sound of my own voice. And we've talked about this before. No one, not Many people don't care for the sound of their own voice. And the reason for that is, is because when we hear our own voices, it actually sounds different in our heads than it does on recording. So sound waves are carried into our ears and we pick up our voices through bone conduction, which is like the vibration of the bones in our ears and in, in, in our skull. When we speak into a recording, there is no bone conduction. It's only air conduction. So. <laughs> it sounds different Different. so Uh, as soon as you pick up that that recorder and you're like that's how i sound oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) it it just it's a and it's a matter of i mean there's no simple way around it you need to get used to it you need to continue to listen to yourself till you get past the squeamishness of it
1: that's a very polite way of saying get over it
0: yes (laughs) yes (laughs) just like I'll make this real clear, get yeah. <laughs>
1: um, Alex, I think I could talk to you the, the rest of the day about yeah. communication and still not get to everything. I think as we were talking, one of the ideas I've had, if you're open to it, is we may have you back on Status Go and talk specifically about communication over video.
0: Oh yeah. Because
1: that is not yeah. going away. Uh, no. Even as we move back into the office, we've got this new platform of video communication and it is it's a different skill to communicate over that so maybe we'll have you back uh, at some point to talk about that
0: oh for sure for sure now
1: you know we love to leave our listeners with a solid call to action here on status go so what is one thing of all that you covered today what's one thing that our listeners should go do tomorrow because they listened to you and I today.
0: Ooh, that they should go do tomorrow because they listened to me today. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's big. I want two, Jeff.
1: You can have two. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling yeah,
0: generous I One <laughs> I, solid call to action is what gets people to do <laughs> the thing. It gets people to do the thing. Mm-hmm. I, I have two, which okay. number one is practice. Mm-hmm. Practice what you're going to say out loud. For goodness sakes, you've been, you've had mental arguments with people. You know that how you say it in your head and how it comes out the first time is not the way you intend. Mm-hmm. So please practice what you're going to say. Take a moment, write it down, little bullet points and practice it. If more people practice, they would get more comfortable and they would get better. It's like an Olympic sport. You brought up the Olympics. Yes. You don't get better at communication just by thinking about it. You get better at communication by doing it. Practice. Practice.
1: That's excellent. You said you had two. What was the second? No, nope. I'm going to leave it at that. because are going leave was it so at good. that. Okay.
0: Okay. I'm going to leave it because I don't want to muddy it. Practice. That, that's I, awesome. gave a, I gave you gave a hundred tactical things. Pick one of them and practice it.
1: That's outstanding. Alex, I, I got to thank you for carving out time to, to talk with us again. I so appreciate it. Uh, I enjoy all of our conversations, and I always walk away with new insights of how to get better, how to be a better communicator, and I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much for having me on, Jeff. I appreciate you.
1: For our listeners, if you want to learn more, visit intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. We'll provide links to Alex's website and to her book, Minivan Moguls. I don't know why I stutter over that title. It's maybe it's the concept of the minivan. Maybe that's what's maybe. <laughs> minivan <laughs> moguls <laughs> This is Jeff Tun for Alex Perry. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.